Hi, I'm Tim. This is We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. I think one of the best ways for each of us to grow as people is by learning from each other. If you enjoy today's episode, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever app you're listening from. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today I'm joined by Aaliyah Pete, who is a wife, a mother, a daughter. Uh, she's the creative director at Isle Rocket Studios and co-founder of Pete's Original Cider, a hard cider brand founded in 2017 that's distributed throughout Michigan. It, did I get that right, Leah? It was founded in 2017. I don't want to rewrite history here. Mm-hmm. Well, so we actually, we launched our first flavor in 2017, but like most businesses, we actually were working on it about two years before we actually had a flavor uh, to sell to people. So technically it's like 2015, but we say it's 2017 because that's when we actually had a product to sell. So for the years before that, were you working on like the, and excuse my ignorance of how to make (laughs) cider, but like the formulas or like the chemistry or like were you just like figuring out how to like make cider like it took that long yeah so we actually started uh making cider on our countertop we lived in a little condo um in saint joseph michigan it's two bedroom two bathroom so you would walk into our condo and just kind of get like hit with like the smell of um hard cider fermenting so we started doing it that way and it definitely was not um tasting good So then we enlisted the help of uh, somebody who knew what they were doing. And we spent, you know, after our first kind of couple of batches that were just terrible, we worked with somebody who knew what he was doing and uh, worked to develop the Huntsman, which is our flagship flavor. So once we had that one and we knew it, you know, tasted good, we took that flavor and then we've done um, a bunch of different innovations with it as the base. So we've done some barrel aged flavors. Uh, we've done a hopped flavor, and uh, we just recently did a grapefruit ginger. So we're kind of like taking what we know now and expanding upon it. But yeah, the first two years, we were just learning um, what are all the laws around selling alcohol because they're, are, they're very confusing, and there's a lot of them. Um, how do we make the product? How do we sell the product? Because we didn't have our own tap room. And even now, two years after launching our first flavor, we just are now opening our own space. So we had we had a lot to figure out because my background is in advertising. And at the time, Dan's background was in sales and then he was working at a nonprofit. So we knew nothing about cider when we started. I have to ask what in my mind is the obvious question, but especially in two years leading up to even having the cider ready to go. But mm-hmm. why did you not give up? Like two years is a long time. And I could just picture like, you make the cider on your counter like Monday. You're like, okay, not not quite right. The next Monday, try again, mm-hmm. try again, try again. Yeah. And then like at some point, I think I might have said, okay, this is more than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I think I'm ready for something else. How did you keep going? Well, we had the end goal in mind. So Dan is from um, Pawpaw, Michigan, and he grew up on a farm there that is 200 acres. So we, as we were doing this, had this idea of that's where we're going to eventually produce our cider. Like that's going to be the hub for all of our cider production so that 
you know, the farm used to be a working farm with cherry trees on it for about 25 years. And that isn't the case anymore. They pushed out all the cherry trees. Um, actually, the summer that I had met Dan, which was about 12 years ago, 12, almost 13. And so um, the goal has always been to, you know, have something sustainable for that farm so that it's it's a working farm and it is um, like it has a purpose again, rather than renting the land out to other people, using it for, you know, our family business and for, you know, Dan's, Dan's broader family. So we had that end goal in mind, and that's just kind of what we've been working towards. And we do have a production facility now on um, the family farm in Pawpaw. And then our tap room, um, because we didn't want people driving to the family farm <laughs> to drink the cider. You don't um, want people and, just and showing up on the farm. No, we didn't want them showing up at Dan's parents' house and you know, <laughs> for a tasting. So our tap room is actually about a half hour away, um, closer to where we live. Um, so that we're, we're kind of going back and forth between the two places right now. But yeah, I think if you just, if you know that your end goal is something that you really, really want, then it makes sense to keep going. And in those two years, we had, um, we had one baby when we started then we had another one when we launched our, uh, flavor, our first, our flagship flavor, the Huntsman, uh, Dan got his MBA uh, so we like we did a lot. We sold our condo and bought a house like we did a lot in those two years besides just working on the business. So like as we're doing all these other things, you know, the business is always in the background and we're always working on it. But it definitely wasn't probably would have been a lot faster if we would have only been focused on that. But we were focused on our careers and growing our family and all of that at the same time. Yeah, and that's really what struck me and why I really wanted to have you as a guest because when I first messaged you and kind of said, hey, I would love to, I'm doing this podcast about kind of resiliency and just people being vulnerable and sharing what keeps them going. And I kind of laid out like some of the things I thought was interesting about your story. What I loved was you You wrote back, I don't really think my story is that unique. <laughs> A lot of people work full time, have families, yeah. side hustles they're passionate about, but I'd be super happy to talk about mine. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the most genuine thing. And I I humbly disagree. I think all our stories are unique, but I think your story, and sure, a lot of people do work full time, have families and side hustles. Um, but that doesn't make it any less hard for you. You know what I mean? Like I what you just described of, you know, three children now, the mm-hmm starting in the condo, getting it to the farm, knowing that's where we're going now, getting the tap room going just recently. Um, that's not something that everyone could pull off. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on all this. Thank um, you. Especially since it sounds like you, you had your end goal and it's kind of a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious though. Um, I saw when you were, I think you had mentioned somewhere that when you were in college, you helped your mom run an independent bookstore. That then in my mind kind of like stuck out because I, I wondered if some of this, um, what's the word for it? Not just resiliency, but this uh, drive and this passion. I was wondering if you're, you're helping your mom run her bookstore had any, any uh, factor in that. Yeah, um, definitely. So Dan and I call it scrappiness. We always say that we have like an entrepreneurial spirit and that we're very scrappy. So like he, his, um, his dad and my mom were both entrepreneurs. So she had a bookstore in the small town of Morris, Illinois, called Buy the Book. 
And like most small business owners, you know, right away, it didn't, it didn't make money. So she's doing, she's consulting, she's flying, you know, across the country. Um, and while she's doing that to be able to support her family and the bookstore, I was back at the bookstore um, in college and helping run things. So I saw how hard it is to be a business owner, but I also saw like how rewarding it was. And um, Dan's parents owned Manatron, which is like a, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but it was a tech company when tech companies were like not a thing yet. So 30, 40 years ago. And um, he built that business from nothing. Like he got out of the war, got out of Vietnam and, you know, was in his, I want to say like late twenties or early thirties and was like, I'm going to start this company. And he did. And it was very successful. So Dan grew up around that. I grew up around, you know, my mom who was a business owner. And I think we both have always had that drive within us. And that also, it makes us good partners because we both have, like I said, we both have similar goals and similar passions. I sense, and I I could be way off, but I sense some inspiration from your mom. Like you looked up to your mom and like kind of by being there at the bookstore, like kind of understood what she was doing and, and what she was going through, like trying to make that happen. Is that somewhat accurate? Oh, yeah, for sure. So she's, I mean, when I was a teenager, I don't think I appreciated her <laughs> very much. None of us do, right? I don't think many teenagers appreciate their parents and what they're going through, but she was a single mom raising uh, me and my brother, Zach, by herself. And now that I have children and I have a business, like I just have this totally newfound appreciation for her. And like probably once a week, I'm like, I don't know how you did it. Like I'll text her like, I have no idea how you did what you did. And she's like, well, it was really hard, but you know, I did it for you guys. And I'm like, and I get it. Like I get exactly like where she's coming from, but I definitely appreciate it like a thousand times more. Uh, now than I did when I was actually growing up and, you know, benefiting from all of her hard work. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. She's definitely a huge inspiration for me. And I think for a lot of people, um, because she also, in addition to being a business owner, she's like, she's a mental health advocate. She, I mean, she does so much outside of her day job too, that I think that's also like where I get it. Yeah, that's, man, a single mom, two kids, and mm-hmm. I mean, that alone is tough, but then also running your own business. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, I just now, it's not funny, but I'm, I'm smiling because I'm just thinking, wait a second, maybe this is why, you know, you came back and said, well, I don't think my story is that unique. Everyone does this. Because um, yeah. <laughs> your mom did this, right? Like, so it was, it. it was normal. Yeah. 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 Which is great. I love that. You know, I, I never put that together before, but you're probably right. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. So um, you mentioned, so your husband, Dan, has, or his family has the mm-hmm. Apple Farm in Michigan. Yeah. Um, so going back to when you were experimenting with the ciders in the condo, Mm -hmm. like where in the process here, even before that, like, was it just a matter of you both were like, okay, you got that farm, family's got that farm. Let's make some cider and then kind of made a whole plan from there. Or like, where did this whole idea come from? So we knew we wanted to do something with the farm, something that, you know, would sustain it long-term. 
Um, Dan was actually in school getting his MBA and he had the opportunity to work with, you know, just a bunch of really smart people who also were in that executive business track. And uh, they did a lot of research to, you know, find out like what would be some of the best businesses to go into. Um, We talked about getting into hops for beer because Michigan is a huge um, craft beer hub. Uh, we talked, I mean, we talked about a lot of different things. They already had grapes on their farm. Should we expand that and go into wine? But it's the area where we live. It's called like Harbor Country. It's very, very saturated already with winemakers. And there aren't actually that many cider makers. So we just kind of, I mean, he came home one day and he was like, I think we should make hard cider. And, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat adventurous. I wouldn't say I'm like, super adventurous, but I was willing to, you know, entertain the idea and hear what he had to say about it. And he had, he had done his research. He had a lot of great numbers. He, you know, he had seen that hard cider was a huge growth category within craft beverages, not just in Michigan, but across the U.S. And so he was like, you know, we have the acreage to plant apple trees. Uh, I don't even drink beer because I don't like it. So when he said hard cider, I was like, well, I love hard cider. Like I love to drink that. So I might, I mean, I would be a good taste tester. <laughs> well, he, he got you on the hard cider. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one, at first I thought the idea was like, yeah, okay, fine. Like I'll entertain the idea. But then when I saw the numbers and when I saw, you know, the actual plan, because he had a real business plan, it wasn't just like, let's make hard cider. Um, he convinced me. Just like he convinced me to move to Michigan. Apparently, I'm very easily persuaded. That or you trust him a lot and you really believe that he would never steer you wrong. Yeah, I think that's hopefully that's more of what it is. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I knew that he wouldn't steer me or our family wrong. So I, you know, he had done his research and he it it was a great idea. And here we are now. Here you are now with, with three yep. children and an apple farm and a tap room and a business. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, one of the things that you also really inspired me from um, is your, and I don't know if, I don't want to call it a mantra or attach you to this thought if you're not, you know, necessarily attached in that way, but I feel like you, uh, you express this idea of letting people know that just because you have children doesn't mean your life has ended or in any way that your life has necessarily now prevented you from doing cool things. Uh, but you, and I think you actually wrote that, um, something about, Oh yeah. Uh, you wrote for us, our children enhance our busy lives instead of deterring us from pursuing what we love. There are why. And I'm really curious, like, what did you mean by that? Well, I mean, they, they are the reason that we do everything we do. Like we're building this family business and hopefully one or all of them, you know, will want to be a part of it in the future. If not, that's okay. Um, I don't own a bookstore, even though my mom did, but uh, it's just, they, I want them to see us as hard workers, as good partners, as people who are doing something to enhance our community and, you know, everything around us. I want them to see that as an example and hopefully, you know, as they grow, they'll want to be a part of it or want to do something similar, like do something that enhances, you know, the community around them and hopefully they'll have a good work ethic. So we're trying to set an example for them. And, and we do that by just bringing them along. Like, you know, I'm here today recording this and I'm sitting at, you know, the Pete Cider Social, which is our, our tap room. 
the kids are outside. I can see them from where I'm sitting. You know, they're bowl, they're bowling, they're hanging out. My husband's laying flooring. I mean, it's like we are constantly working, but our kids are there with us because we don't want to give up time with them just because we are, you know, building a business and, you know, working full time. Like it's really important that they're there with us. What an amazing gift that is for, you know, that you're giving them to, to be a part of that. Um, just in the same way that you had the opportunity to experience your mom's bookstore with her. I mean, that's, you know, some people might say, well, you know, you're working and bringing them with and all that, but I almost think it's actually totally a different perspective of like, you're going on this adventure and they're coming with you and you're all in this together. And I mean, man, I could just imagine the memories they're going to have of today bowling, you know, they'll remember this yeah. and watching TV and watching dad do the flooring and, you know, yeah, my yeah. mom dad had a bowling alley. Like that's so awesome. Well, it's, it's just so funny that you're bringing up those parallels, like between like how I grew up and how my children are growing up because I, I literally never thought of that before. Like it just, it never dawned on me that it is very similar to like how I was raised, like seeing my mom work so hard um, to provide for us and to build a business. Um, but I hope that they have good memories. I hope that they're having fun. Like when we say, Hey, we're going to the social, like pack a bag with toys and snacks. And I, like they get really excited and they, they want to be a part of it. And if we go to the social without them, they actually get mad at us. Like they want to come with. So, so that to me says, okay, we're doing, we're doing the right thing so far <laughs> when they get excited about being a part of it. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, with the, with kids just as they continue to grow, you know, they're, I see it with my nine-year-old. So I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. And I feel like in the past six months, I've just seen him mature to like, I don't know, like a 12-year-old or something. So I just imagine as your children continue to grow up with this, uh, as part of this adventure with you, they're mm -hmm. going to want to be involved in different ways and they're going to be able to contribute in different ways. Um, you know, I would imagine, you know, how old, how old is your oldest? So my oldest, Violet, is five um, and she is super social. Like we call her a social butterfly. If anything, I could see her being the one like behind the mic or the one who's like helping host birthday parties at the on the bowling alley side of things. Oh, there um, you go. Artie. Yeah. Like I already kind of like feel yeah. like I know what their role would be, you know, 15 years from now. Um, Arthur is three and he's very technical. He's very into like how things work and how to put things together and take them apart. Um, he's also a little wild. I will say that, but he's just like, he's so much fun and he's so sweet. Um, but like, I could see him being the person that like, when a scorer goes down, he's the one that's like fixing it, tinkering around with it to make sure that it's working. Or he's, you know, making cider because it's very scientific and it's very technical. Um, I have no idea what Louis is going to be like. He's only six months old, six months old. And he just he smiles all the time. So I have I don't know like what his personality is just yet, what he likes, what he doesn't like. But um, right now he's just a happy guy. So I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and he's just coming right into it all and he's got yep. the, four, the four of you to look up to and learn from so I, yep. I have a feeling he might just try a little bit of of everything he might i mean he's the third kid so <laughs> <laughs> he kind of just fits in where he fits in right now so you yeah so you had louis then um just just right after you kind of bought or closed on the the tap room location right you you just um, I mean, it's been a, a process to actually get this thing up and running physically. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 
we actually closed on the place um, in early July, and we had Louis July 23rd. So it was only a couple of weeks after we got the keys to the bowling alley that we then had a baby. Um, I don't, I don't recommend doing that because it was <laughs> very, it was very stressful. But we couldn't, you know, like we couldn't make the process go any faster with the bowling alley, and obviously with the baby either. So we just, uh, we just rolled with it. Uh, pun not intended, but we just kind of like, <laughs> we just had, we just made it work. And the only way that we made it work is because we have partners in the tap room who are super supportive. It's another husband and wife team, um, Josh and Tiffany Cosner. We've been friends with them for a really long time. And honestly, like we would not have the tap room almost ready to go if it wasn't for them. Like, they work just as hard, if not harder than us, and they um, they don't have kids. So when we're like, hey, we have to go to a soccer game. Can you work league night? They're like, absolutely, we got it. And when they're like, we want to have a date night. Can you work? We're like, absolutely, we got it. So we, it's really this give and take of like we kind of make up for each other's absences when we need to. And when we need to all be together working, we do that as well. I love the the rolling it because I didn't even realize the pun until you said it. I know. But, as soon as soon as it came out, I was like, "Oh gosh." <laughs> I, I am curious though, along those lines. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you don't recommend having you know the, a child that close to closing on a tap room location, mm-hmm. but um, I am. You, you said that was stressful. I imagine it must have been stressful. And you said, "Well, you just got to roll with it," and that's what we did. Um, I'm curious though. That's you know, I think we all we it's hard to avoid stress. So it's more a matter mm-hmm. of how do we deal with stress? How do we pursue and persevere through it? But in how, I guess my question is how, how do you, because you know, that's gotta be a stressful time. I'm sure you've had many moments of stress throughout your journey mm-hmm. with your husband building this with also uh, at the same time as building your family. Um, but obviously it hasn't deterred you. I mean, you are so, I can, I can feel it in your voice. You're so excited about this. You're, you're excited for what you're building for your family and this adventure you're on. So that leads me to, to ask, how are you processing that stress? How are you dealing with the, the ups and downs that come with that? Because I think you figured something out that, you know, you're able to continue going and, and loving it more and more, it seems. Yeah. So I feel like some days I handle it just so well, like nothing bothers me. Everything rolls off my shoulders. And then other days it's like, that's when I have to lean on my family, my friends. I have a really, I'm, I'm so lucky because I have Um, some really great friends who are also, some are parents and some are not, but there is this core group of women that I lean on very heavily who also have children, who also have full-time careers. And like, we just, we have this text chain going and anytime something frustrates us or we have a win, it's like, we let each other know and we're a huge support for each other. So if like some days it's like too much and I can't vent to my husband about it because maybe it's about him. That's who, that's who I go to or, or to my mom who is, you know, the older I get, the more she becomes um, a friend and a support system to me. Um, So honestly, like when I get really stressed and I feel like, okay, that's it. I just, I just can't deal with today. Like that's when I lean on uh, my support system, my friends and my family specifically. And I mean, honestly, like I have a partner who I know people think the term lean in is maybe like a little passe, but like he really leans in at home if I have to lean in during my career. So like 
last week I was in Vegas um, for my advertising job. And I was at the kitchen and bath show and it was four full days and three nights away from my family. And, you know, I'm, I'm pumping while I'm away because my baby's only six months old and he's still getting, you know, breast milk. And it was really stressful for me to like get on that plane and leave my family. And he was just like, I got it. Don't worry about it. Like everything's going to be fine here. Like you don't have to worry. Just have fun at the conference, you know, just be with your clients and don't worry about us. And like, I believed him. I knew that he meant it um, because we, you know, we trust each other like that. But if I didn't have a partner at home like that, I would have probably not even gone to Vegas because I would have been just too worried about it. Um, So yeah, I mean, I am very passionate about what we're doing, but we are doing a lot of things at once. And every once in a while that stress creeps up where you're just like, I can't get it all done. It's just not physically possible to get it all done. And sometimes it's not. And that's when you just have to lean on others. I love that too, because I mean, so, you know, before this call, us having these Mm -hmm. technical, we had some technical difficulties trying to get this all connected. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you called your husband in and he helped you troubleshoot and, you know, just, you know, being a witness to that of, you know, you two solving problem together and, you know, in such a calm, supportive way. I mean, even when, you know, we weren't sure we were actually going to get this figured out, um, you just remain so calm and supportive, you know, of each other, of trying to get this up and running so we could connect. And, yeah, you know, I feel like I got a, a, a very short but very um, bright glimpse into that. And I wonder if that's, um, well, I mean, like you said, I think that's such a big part of it is that mm-hmm. uh, you're able to, to support each other like that. Well, I mean, he's obviously the first person I call when I have an issue, whether it's a technical issue with the podcast or something big, something happened at work and I need advice or, you know, there's something going on with the kids and we need to really like talk through it. Like he is definitely like the first person um, that I go to. And honestly, like running a business with your partner is it's hard. And we have to remind each other sometimes because like we're both passionate about this and we can get heated about things, especially when we don't agree on it. And we have to remind each other like, if you wouldn't talk to your colleague at work like this, then you shouldn't talk to your partner like this, especially in a business setting. So we we stated that rule early on, and it was hard to stick to like the first couple of years when we were like figuring everything out. But now I feel like when a problem comes up, instead of just getting you know angry with each other or just getting heated, like we just figure it out. We're like, we're, we're in this together. We've, we can figure it out. We've got it. So it took a while to get there, but we're there now and it's awesome. Yeah. And what I see through that is I wonder if uh, your communication skills between the two of you are strong. Like it seems like um, you probably both are very good at communicating to each other, you know, whether it's an up or a down, but in um, that kind of being a, a something that powers, you know, this ability to both have a a great family together, but also a Mm -hmm. thriving business together. Well, I think um, both of us have backgrounds, even just in our our careers with having to be able to communicate clearly. Like my background is in um, advertising, copywriting. So I started as a writer Um, and I know you from our social media days. So from just like basically communicating to a broad audience Um, and his background, he started in sales, which is very communication heavy. And then now he's a director at a nonprofit. And I mean, he's, he's building relationships all day. Like, and so I think 
because we've been together so long, you know, we've been together 12 years, we've been married for seven and a half. Um, and just, we've learned how to communicate with each other. And we take stuff from our careers every day and use it in our marriage and vice versa. Like there's, there's not really any clear lines, I would say. Like if it works in one place, it might work in another. So let's try it. And if it doesn't, then just throw it out. So yeah, I would say that we do communicate really well, but it's taken a while to get there. And you know, now that now that we're there, we have to be very conscious of keeping it up and making sure that we're, you know, being respectful of each other, especially when we're disagreeing on things. Um, and it's honestly like it's not always easy or perfect, but like I said at the beginning, we have the end goal in sight. And for our marriage, like we want to be married forever. So if we let it fall apart because we can't communicate, then we're not going to reach that end goal. I like that idea of the end goal. It seems yeah. to work real well for you. Yeah. Just keeping, keeping the long game in mind. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yep. You, so um, your maternity leave with Louis, um, your, your third child, um, mm-hmm. you had posted something, I think on LinkedIn, and uh, as you were kind of in the middle of it, and your post ha- was saying maternity leave is not going how I planned, but maybe it's going how it should. Mm-hmm. That really struck me. What did you mean by that? Oh, man. So maternity leave, I thought it was going to be this like magical thing because I'd done it twice before. Like I had it all planned out. I was like, I'm going to organize my whole house. I'm going to read so many books. Like I had a reading list. Um, I just, I just had this plan in my head and then I had a, a pretty hard delivery with him, which put me basically out of commission for a couple of weeks. Um, I ended up with a C-section. It didn't go well. I had to have like a, a, a reparation, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. I, they nicked my bladder. I don't know if this is like TMI for this podcast, but not at so all, I had but a, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. So it, it really, I mean, for lack of a better word, it really sucked. And I had to have, you know, that surgery to repair it. So just like the first couple of weeks, I felt like, you know, I wasn't super mobile. It was like he wasn't nursing well. And I think that was because I was just really stressed out. Um, But then, you know, I started to feel better. I started to feel like myself. And then my husband um, injured his finger in, in an industrial fan. And yeah, and it was, it was pretty bad. Like he had to have a couple of surgeries and that was two weeks after I had Louie. So I'm thinking like, you know what? I earned this. I'm not going to change a diaper. I'm not going to wash a bottle. Like he's going to do it all because I had such a, a traumatic delivery and he hurt and then he hurt himself. And then suddenly I'm washing every bottle, changing every diaper, caring for the entire family because his whole hand is just completely out of commission. So we're past all of that now, but that's, I mean, that's like the long story of like, I just had this idea in my head of that, of how my last maternity leave was going to go. Cause we know like we're done. Louis our last baby. He completes our family. Um, and it didn't go anything like I had planned at all. So I was actually like happy to go back to work after this maternity leave, honestly, because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I need a, I need a routine and I need stability. And I didn't have it like at that time. That must have been a whirlwind. Oh, it was. And like I said, we had just purchased a tap room. So if you're thinking like you're trying to build a business, 
you're trying to care for a new baby. Um, you know, my partner that I lean on heavily and he leans on me, like we're both kind of out of commission at the same time. Like it's really hard. So, you know, friends brought food over. My mom came and stayed for 10 days. Like when I say we have a good support system, we really have a good support system or like, I don't know how that, how those first, maybe even like six to eight weeks of Louie's life would have meant. Like, I don't know how we would have made it through because it was just so stressful. It does sound like you have a great support system and I'm so happy for you for that because I yeah. do think, you know, in all of our lives, the, whatever support means to each of us, it's such an important factor in all of our, you know, success, failure, just our journeys. How, how did you, you know, how did that support system come about? Is this just, you know, you've always been close with your family and friends and just kind of naturally are okay with leaning on them for support when it's necessary? Or is this something you had to like over time become comfortable with, you know, especially as you, you and your family, you're, you and your husband started having kids and a business. Mm-hmm. Did you have to start becoming comfortable, you know, with having a support system? I'm, you know, cause I, me personally, like I'm terrible, I'm getting better, but I'm mm-hmm. terrible at recognizing the support system that I can have and then asking, you know, for help from it. So I'm curious if that was something that came naturally to you or if, if it was tough. Um, I think it, it's definitely tough and it's also humbling to have to ask for help. Um, and I like at the beginning, I don't think that either one of us felt like we really needed it. And then we had a baby. And then everything changed. And we were like, we don't know what we're doing. This was our first child, Violet. She cried all the time. She cried for probably the first three months. And we just had to be okay with like grandma coming over and saying like, you know what? Go get a cup of coffee. I'm going to like rock your baby while she cries. Um, I'll wash your dishes for you. Like just go get out of the house. And so I think like once we once we had started having children and real, realizing like we don't know it all. Uh, We can't do it all ourselves. Like people have done this, you know, forever and they know much more than we do. Like we need to, we need to kind of lean on them um, when we need help. And, you know, even with our, with our first child, that was when, you know, Dan was getting his MBA. And like I said, we had just kind of started the business. Um, Yeah, I think, I think that, I mean, that was five, almost six years ago when we had Violet. So it just, yeah, I mean, having kids humbles you for sure. And then having to ask for help because you had these children. (laughs) I mean, it's almost, it's almost like, well, we did this to ourselves. Like we shouldn't be asking for help. Like we chose this life. We chose to start a business. We chose to buy a house when I was, you know, nine months pregnant with Arthur. We like, we made all these decisions. So we didn't feel like we should put the burden of helping yes. us on, on other people, but like you have to, otherwise you're not going to get everything done or you're going to crack. And like, we, we can't crack. We just can't. We have people counting on us and three little kids. Like we yeah. have too much happening. Like we have to keep going. So, yeah, I mean, it was hard, but we definitely like when we knew we needed it, we just kind of humbled ourselves and asked for help. That way you described it of like, we, you know, we did this, we bought the house, we forced ourselves, mm-hmm. we did this. That's exactly how I feel about it is yeah. every time I think about, yeah, asking for help, no matter what it is, I'm like, well, the situation I'm in, I put myself in the situation. So why in the world should I not be the one to help myself to solve it? But like you said, yeah. you just can't sometimes. You just can't. 
I mean, you can't fix every problem. Um, you can't fill every gap. It's just, it's just not possible. And, you know, I didn't even mention we have a nanny that helps us out three days a week. So we've got, you know, I have an amazing mother-in-law who helps watch our kids. Uh, we have a nanny who watches our kids who, I mean, honestly helps us raise our kids because we, we work during the day. So if we didn't have her, they would be in a, in a daycare setting, which is fine. Like I, I have nothing against um, daycare, but she is so nurturing. Like she's helping us shape them and we know her and we know like who she is as a person. If we didn't trust her, it would be way harder for both of us to like walk out the door every day. So I got to give her a shout out because she's amazing. Oh, and she's sure. been with us. She's been with us in April. It'll be three years. So she started with us when Artie was a baby. And so then when we got pregnant with Louie, it was like, you know what? This is a bad time to have a baby. This is a, you know, really bad time to have another baby. But we have, you know, we have Madeline, who's my mother-in-law. We have Desiree. We have a great group of friends. Like, we can do it. We can handle it. We can handle anything if we have the right support in place. I truly believe you can handle anything. I'm still just so, like, the more I'm learning about your story, I'm just so inspired by it. It's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just funny to hear that because like, I mean, I don't I don't feel like it's particularly inspiring. I feel like, you know, people always like glorify uh, being busy, like, oh, I'm too busy to do this. I'm too busy to do that. I hate saying that. I hate saying like, oh, I can't uh, go to this event or whatever. I can't support this charity that I like because I'm too busy. You know, like I want to be able to do everything, but it's it's not physically possible. And so sometimes it doesn't feel inspiring. Sometimes it feels like it's just like, you know, a weight on, on me and my husband and everything. But it's nice to hear from other people who are outside of, you know, the situation that it's, you know, it's inspiring to them. I know what you mean about, you know, everyone, especially nowadays in certain circles, glorifying being busy. And I share that sentiment that not necessarily a good thing, but when I think about you know, like today, for example, I imagine today's a busy day for you, you know, you, and I'm so grateful you took the time to speak with me, but I'm sure you have plans. And the reason you're at the tap room is you got things to accomplish today. The kids are there. Um, mm-hmm. So it's probably a busy day in all four of your, or five, excuse me, five of your lives. But, yep. <laughs> you know, I, I think about that type of busy, I think about sometimes the impact you're creating. Like, yeah, it's a busy day and you, you know, I'm sure it's hectic and you're all together and it's going to be a whirlwind. You all go to bed tonight. It's going to feel good to get in bed. But I think about the impact today had on all of your lives and how it brought you all together and you're all working together in this adventure. Like, I think that kind of busy is actually probably an important one. Like, it's less so about just being busy for the sake of being busy. And it's, it's just, it's almost a, a side effect. Like, you're creating this impact together and it just so happens that you had to be busy today to, to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good perspective um, because sometimes I do feel like we just like overschedule ourselves, like we just overcommit ourselves. Um, but then if you look at like what we're committing ourselves to, it's our family building a business. Um, Dan and I are both on a couple of boards for nonprofits that are really important to us. Um, the one that I'm on the board for deals with uh, homelessness in Berrien County, which is the county that I live in. Um, so it it is directly impacting people who are either currently homeless or at risk for homelessness. Dan is on the board of a company that uh, or an organization that um, helps. It's called Junior Achievement, and it helps um, youth uh, 
with financial literacy, with basically getting them ready for the next step in their um, education and in their career. So like we've, even though we are busy, I mean, I, again, you're bringing up things that like, I don't, I haven't thought of in this way, but we are doing things that like mean something to us. We're not just being busy for the sake of being busy. So yeah, well, thanks for saying that because it makes me feel Absolutely. better. <laughs> yeah. And I genuinely mean that. Yeah. I remember junior achievement. I think I, um, it was fifth grade or somewhere in the middle school years. Uh, we yeah, had junior yep. achievement in my school. Yeah. So he's, he's on the board for the, the local chapter of it, but yeah, sure. he, he loves it. And he, he, it's really amazing to be able to sit on a board and actually see the impact like up close of what the organization is doing. Because if you, if you're not up close to it, um, you're just kind of like, oh, that organization helps people from becoming homeless, but you don't know the numbers. You don't hear the real stories. You don't interact with the people who are actually doing the work. And, you know, some of the work that they do is pretty, pretty hard, like emotionally taxing and just really traumatic because they're dealing with people who are literally in the worst times of their lives. So it's just it's really great to um, be able to kind of impact that from a, you know, from a closer um, perspective or closer tie, I guess. What brought you to support the the homeless shelter in, in your county? Like what was kind of your connection or where did the passion for that come from? Well, oh man, it's a, it's a long story. I feel like everything is a long story. Um, so my brother, Zach, who is, um, so my mom, I have, I have four brothers. They're all half brothers. And one is um, with my mom or was, you know, born to my mom. And his name is uh, Zachariah, call him Zach. And he had um, schizophrenia. And he passed away in 2015 at the age of 23. And um, one thing that we learned through just our family's journey is that um, mental illness almost always, or, you know, a huge majority of the time, coincides with homelessness because you can't take care of yourself if you don't have a a family that can take care of you and you can't take care of yourself like you end up on the streets um and if you don't have a good you know medical team behind you I mean Zach was really lucky that he had my mom um who like fought so hard for him the whole entire time but if he didn't he would have I mean 100% he would have ended up because he didn't believe he was sick. He sometimes would take his medication and be very like coherent. And um, it felt like we had the old Zach back. But when he wasn't on his medication and he didn't believe that he was sick, it was so easy to see how um, somebody like him would just end up living on the streets. So that's, that's kind of my drive, or I guess my why for being a part of this shelter. Because I, I wanted to, you know, impact people like Zach, but locally. Leah, that's so amazing. Um, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. But Thank you. That you are, you know, again, we talk about being busy and mm-hmm. the various things you're spending your time on and your family's time on. And look at that. I mean, you're, you're you know, kind of through him, you know, lending your expertise, your time, um, you know, I'm sure some money and just, you know, resources to help these people. Um, that's amazing. That's really, really nice of you. 
Well, and so this is, I'm just thinking of another parallel with my mother. She actually, she sits on the board of SARDA, which is a national organization dedicated to um, schizophrenia. And um, I, you know, I was going to join that board with her, but I wanted to do something uh, like locally where I could actually like see what was happening. And so, you know, I actually decided not to do that with her and do this instead. But like, I just realized like, oh, there's another parallel, something that she's doing that I'm doing, but in a, in a different way. So, yeah, I mean, again, she's my inspiration. So is Zach just, you know, I just wanted to point that out because she, like everything she's doing and going above and beyond, it's like, I'm doing almost on like a smaller scale. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can see that too. And you know, it's, it's got me thinking now, like just being a parent and, and, and hearing your story of, the way your mother has inspired you and how you are living out so much of probably the values and goodness she taught you. And just by being inspired by her and, you know, I'm sure so much of what you're doing today was, you know, shaped by, by your experience with her. I'm thinking now as a parent, like, what am I going to, you know, what is my son, what is my daughter going to say, you know, and, and what are, what are they going to be inspired by? I'm just thinking now, like, you know, I hope I'm yeah. doing this right. <laughs> I mean, I think about that all the time too. Like it, I hope that my kids um, are inspired by me. Like I am by, you know, my mom, but like, I mean, who knows? They might have totally different passions than me. Um, Violet loves to draw. I am, ter- I'm a terrible artist. I can't draw. I can't paint. I can write. That's what I love to do. And she loves to tell stories, but like, I just, I mean, you can only do so much to shape them, I guess, and then just hope that it's enough. (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I, you know, I think you got so much positive, uh, so many positive uh, aspects from an inspiration from your mom that I, I think, I hope that the, at least I'm passing on the positive parts and you know, really showing them what it means to be good and be a good human and all that good stuff, especially nowadays, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully today's better than ever was. And hopefully tomorrow continues to be better than than today. Yeah. Well, and I do think, you know, it's kind of important to note that a lot of the uh, positive things and the inspiration that I get from my mom were born out of struggles, you know, struggles um, with my brother's health, struggles, um, keeping a small bookstore afloat, uh, right around 9-11 when businesses were shutting down and the economy was terrible and um, a Walmart moved into town and people could go get books uh, for half the price that they could get them from our bookstore. So, I mean, a lot of, like I said, a lot of the inspiration that I get from her has come out of seeing the struggles that she's been through and how she's kind of either overcome them or, you know, taken something good from them, made something good out of them. Yeah. I love that you pointed that out. And it just, I see, I mean, you are such a beacon of resiliency. Like I just get the sense it takes a lot to knock you down hard. And even then, like, you know, I get the sense that you can stay calm and really evaluate like how to get back up as quickly as possible. But and I, I wonder if it's because of what you just described, like you've seen struggles and you've learned so much from them. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, growing up with a mom who's a single mom, you know, and she, she had to work really hard to make ends meet. 
So I, I've seen what that's like, um, but she never gave up. And then I also, I mean, honestly, between Dan, my husband and I, like he's the calm one. I'm definitely not the calm one. He is a calming force for me. So when I do get like, you know, stressed out and feel like maybe, you know, uh, this day, it feels like just too much. Like we just can't get it all done. He's the one that um, provides that like calming presence for me and kind of like, you know, also helps keep me going. Just like I hope I help keep him going, you know? Yeah. I think that's perfect too, that if you feel like, you know, you aren't the calm one, that you have someone that can kind of be the yin to your yang and kind of balance you out. And knowing that and being able to to thrive off that, you know, knowing that there's someone there who's got your back, that if you fall too hard, they're going to help you get back up. Yes, definitely. I definitely have that uh, with Dan, for sure. Well, Leah, this has just been, this has been fantastic. I, I'm just smiling over here. Um, and I, you know, it's funny, I've been um, up to uh, the Western Michigan area many, many times. Um, Grand Haven, uh, St. Joe, um, was it? I never know how to pronounce Sagatok. Is it Sagatok, Sagatok? It's um, Sagatok. So, okay, so I'm way Sagatok, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were, cl- you were close, but yeah. <laughs> but that's such a, it's such a beautiful area. Um, and uh, especially, especially the St. Joe area. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I guess I'm just at this point, it's just a pure Michigan commercial. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great place to raise a family. It's a great, it's a great place to just come and hang out on the beach. Or if you go to the Pete Cider Social in Stevensville, a great say, place to, to bowl. Hard yeah. Cider. Yep. To bowl and have some hard cider. Um, we're not open yet. I just have to note that just in case this podcast starts driving people in droves to Stevensville. Um <laughs> We're going to be open, hopefully. I mean, honestly, we are we are at crunch time. So next week, we have an inspection. And then if that, if we pass, we can open our doors. So we are so close to really just like being open and like offering our hard cider to more people, which is really exciting. I mean, that also fuels me. It's like, we're so close. Like, you can't give up now. It's like the, the yeah. last, whatever, the last three feet, we're almost there. What's the next thing at, let's say after, after opening the tap room, what's the next thing in life that you're looking forward to? Is there anything that you know that's coming up that you're excited about or? Hmm. Well, I'm trying to think like, honestly, this has been such a big thing and a big goal of ours. Like I, I honestly told my husband, like, we have to take a break after this. Like we can't, we can't do something else huge after this. Um, I think I want to focus on like my house and um, our, our backyard is like this wooded, you know, area that it's great because you can't really see the neighbors that well, but like, I want to make like a play area out there. There's a lot of things I want to do, like in my personal life that I haven't sure. been able to do because sure. we've been so focused on the business. So like finishing up our house renovations, we've been in that house for three years and it's, coming along, but it's not where I want it. Um, I'd like to take a vacation, one that is not connected to cider or my uh, career, <laughs> my advertising, because <laughs> I just got to go to Vegas, but I worked the whole time. You know, I want to yeah. take a vacation. So I, I told Dan, I was like, we got to take the kids to Disney. So maybe, maybe we'll go on a big trip to Disneyland. Isn't that like, you know, every, every family's goal. We're going oh, to Disneyland. <laughs> I think it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was yeah. I was going to ask you because you know being here in Chicago, I think so many folks from Chicago vacation, especially in the summer for a weekend in Michigan. I was going to ask you where do the people who live in that beautiful country where do they go to vacation? <laughs> Um, okay. So this is what I learned when I moved to Michigan, because I'm, as you know, I'm from Illinois. Um, I grew up like an hour and a half Southwest of Chicago. When I moved to Michigan, I learned that people in Michigan vacation in Michigan, they just go to the UP. So like, if you live in like Southwest Michigan, you drive, you know, six or eight hours, you go over the Mackinac bridge and you vacation up there. So I actually have been on quite a few vacations and never left the state. And it does feel like you're in a different world. You know, it's it's still beautiful beaches, but it's it's like a different feel up there. Um, there's a lot of like uh, um, there's like a shipwreck museum. There's Taquamanon Falls. Now it really is a pure Michigan ad. But this, <laughs> which is but, OK. It's a fantastic. But that's what I've learned. Like people who live in Michigan vacation in Michigan. At least the ones around us do. Everybody has like a, a cabin in the UP. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I have always wondered how. I've been to UP oh once or twice, but it was probably mm-hmm. about a decade ago. And yeah. I've been to Lower Michigan many times. And I know they're both technically the same state, but I feel like in some ways they are very different worlds. Like just both mm-hmm. with the amount of density, the amount of, of the weather, and just the people yeah. and the activities. It's uh, So I could see where you might... Living in Southwest Michigan, everyone goes up to the UP for for vacation. Yeah. I mean, that's at least that's the impression that I've gotten from living here for the last like seven years. It just feels like people who live in Michigan have such like Michigan pride. And I didn't feel like that when I lived in Illinois. Like, I mean, Chicago, definitely. When I lived in Chicago, people who live there have that Chicago pride for their city. But it's not like a statewide pride. It's not like Illinois is amazing. But like people who live in Michigan are like, Michigan is the best place to live. Like when Dan um, lived with me in Chicago, the whole time he was like, I'm not going to stay here. Like, I love you, but I want to move back to Michigan. And I was like, what? Why? Why? (laughs) What is what is so great about Michigan? But I mean, now that I've been here seven years, I'm starting to see it. (laughs) You're starting to see it? (laughs) Starting to see it. You know, now that we're putting down roots, we've got kids and a business, you know, like, I guess I'll stay. Well, great. And speaking of the kids, the business, I'll let you get back to it. Leah, thank you so much for taking the time today, especially being at your tap room with the kids there and, you know, your, your husband working and now you're, I'm sure you'll get back to work. And um, I really do appreciate that. That's a sacrifice you made. And I, I really do appreciate that. Well, I was just, I was super honored that you even asked me, you know, to be on this podcast. So thank you again for that. And for, you know, providing a different perspective on a few things, like things that I just hadn't even crossed my mind. So this was, this was a great conversation. So thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, rate and review us, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks.